I am Daniel Lukies and welcome to Book 101. Book 101 is all about the books that I read for the last 40 years and today I have my special guest. He's the author of several books, no other than Mr. Cody Engdahl. Hello, Mr. Cotty. Hello, Daniel. How are you doing? I'm fabulous like you. Well, thank you very much, Daniel. Yeah, so uh, last week we talked about uh, um, Rampage on the River, the battle for island number 10. And uh, I think we're going to talk about the perils of Perryville tonight. Oh, sounds interesting. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I would say one of the big challenges I, I had or tests I had for myself is first, you, you know, Rampage on the River was my very first book I ever wrote. And and the question I had for myself, is, am I able to write a, a full novel and, and get it published and all that? And well, the answer was yes. And I was quite happy with the result. But then I wondered and I, I liked it so much that I was like, Am I capable of writing a, a sequel to this, or am I just a one-hit wonder? And so I immediately went to work on The Perils of Perryville, and it's even a better book. Uh, I'm very proud of it. And if, if you recall from Rampage on the River, it, Rampage on the River ends with the Battle of uh, um, Battle of Island Number Ten, and in the book, the two friends that are separated. One's a, a Yankee, the other one's a rebel. Uh, they end up coming together in, in that first book and going on a kind of a, a, a mission together to save someone before they go back to their respective camps and their armies. And then the battle happens. And in Rampage, we just watch the battle of Island Number 10 from Carl's perspective, the, the Yankee. So when we start with perils of Perryville, we start where we left off, except now we go back and we show what happened to Kyle during that battle and, and the outcome of it. And the thing is, when I, when I sat down, I knew perils of Perryville, I wanted it to end with the battle of Perryville, but I had to come up with like an idea, like what, what is this going to be about? What, what am I, what are my characters going to do other than just fighting battles? And then I thought, okay, well, what would really happen in the real world? And what came of that was a story about the consequences of what these uh, these friends did in the first book. Now the consequences are coming to bear, including a uh, an accusation of treason. And there was a, a villain in Rampage on the River, who his name is Latham Woods, who... Um, uh, was ultimately, you know, I don't want to spoil what happened, but came aware of something, something sneaky was going on. So in the beginning of the perils of Perryville, we start with him. We start with a villain as he's kind of playing detective because he thinks that Kyle, one of my other main characters, traitor. And, and that sets everything in motion. Uh, and so that's basically what that whole story is about is how, He's hunting the uh, the other rebel who he thinks he's a traitor, but, you know, doing something with a with a Yankee, 
and uh, we take it from there. Oh, yes, indeed. So the Perils of Perryville is your favorite of all those four series. You know, I, yeah. I, first of all, I I think each book gets better and better, and probably Mexico My Love is my best book yet. But there's something special to me about the Perils of Perryville, and and I, and I think what it is is first of all, the, a lot of things happen in it. There's a lot of reveals, a lot of uh, like surprising turns, and 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 you learn a lot more about you know the characters and their backgrounds, and but. One of the things I really like about it is, as you know, you know, writing a series is it can be a double edged sword, because if you're writing a good series and you got a good first book, uh, then it can be it, it can make you a lot of money and, and get you a lot of success because people read the first book and they're like, this is great. I want to read more. And they read your second and your third and the fourth. But if they don't like the first book. And the book first book doesn't sell very well, then you're writing books into a dead series that no one if they're not reading book one, they're not going to read book two, three or four. So I was really nervous about putting a, a sequel out uh, to, because I didn't know if I would get what we call read through. But even to this day, the perils of Perryville still sells very well, very well. And. And so does uh, Blood for Blood at Nashville and uh, Mexico, My Love. So I, I'm i lucky that I seem to hit it off well with this series. Uh, so I, I guess I get really excited when I look at my daily uh, sales and, and see that people are reading The Perils of Perryville. And the only reason why they would be is because they read the first book and they read the first one, you know? So yes. it's good, yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. And according to Lloyd Elmore, history, action, love, who could ask for more? Definitely. <laughs> right, yeah. Mr. Cody? Yeah, I, you know, and I had a lot of things in it because I, I like to, you know, like there's there's definitely a romantic story happening in there. So there's there's romance, a little bit of a, I'd say a love triangle um, and, and kind of an, an impossible love affair. Um and, and, and of course there, there's, uh, there's lots of battles and, and, uh, and action. There's even, um, some kind of spooky things going on. Um, for example, uh, one of the battles, you know, I always try to make sure that every book ends with a big battle, but usually my books have several battles in the book, but then the big marquee battle is at the end. And I cover the battle of Shiloh and, uh, it, it was a two-day battle. On, on the first day, the rebels, about 40,000 rebels, were able to sneak up on a federal encampment and just wreak havoc. The federals just got caught with their pants down and were falling back all day in a panic. Men were jumping into the river trying to get away. Uh, the, the Confederacy came very close to winning that battle. Um, and then everything's ended at night because you know back then they didn't have illumination so there wasn't a whole lot of night fighting because you can't control it and it's chaos and you don't know who's who so the 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 uh, rebels fall back and and a lot of historians say that they should have kept going that 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 night but during the night there were and this is this is a true story there um there were a lot of wounded and dead man in the you know, in the 
in the dead man zone, you know, between the two armies that were still out there in the field. And there were a lot of reports of some of the men had glowing wounds. Their wounds were glowing in the darkness. This is a true story. And oh, wow. there's multiple people who wrote letters about this, uh, uh, that this, they called it the angel glow because they found that men who had um, that glowing wounds had a higher survival rate than the ones who didn't. And it had been a mystery forever. And then I think sometime in the last, I don't know, like 20 years, there was a woman who was a, a biologist and she helped her son and his friend do a school project because they wanted to figure out what was going on. And basically what it was is that there was a certain kind of bacteria that that came out. It, you have to have the right amount of like humidity and temperature and all that. And those bacteria would feed off of bad bacteria and they would give off this uh, phosphorant glow. And uh, and they've been able to reproduce it. So it's nothing magical. It's just an amazing uh, part of nature that these these this bacteria will cause things to glow when it's eating bad bacteria. So I wrote that into the book, but you know, of course, my character doesn't understand what's going on. He just sees it <laughs> <laughs> because the other part is uh, is Nathan Bedford Forrest, who was a real um, a, a real uh, a real person in history. He overnight, uh, while the two armies were resting, he took a, a squad and snuck behind enemy lines, sneaked across enemy lines, I should say. And when he got there, he realized that the Federals were unloading a whole new army. Don Carlos Buell was showing up in the middle of the night with 40,000 more men. And so when so we do that that little espionage mission in the book. It's very exciting. And they have to cross through the dead man zone is where they see the glowing wounds. Um, but then once they, they realize that the Federals are reinforcing in numbers, uh, they go back and they're trying to find somebody, some commander that will listen to them. Uh, but no one does. And the very next morning, now the Federals have doubled their numbers and they're able to sweep the... Uh, the rebels off the field and all the way back to Corinth. So technically the, the Yankees won Shiloh, but Shiloh is a very interesting uh, battle because this is an amazing thing. If you combine both armies, cause you know, they're all Americans. There's, you know, there's the Southerns, the Confederates and the Yankees uh, combined. There was 24,000 casualties in the two days of fighting there. And that's more casualties, American casualties. Uh, it, than all the wars that America had fought combined before that day. More than all the casualties the Americans suffered in uh, the, the Revolutionary War and the War of 1812. Shiloh was, was and, and, and unfortunately, it would get worse from there. Uh, until you get to like Gettysburg where there's 50,000. <laughs> yes. You know, it's it's pretty brutal. And then that's nothing compared to the casualties that we suffered in World War One and World War Two. So a very interesting uh, historical thing. And and like I said, Daniel, I, it's very important to me. My books have two plots. There's the historical plot uh, and then there's the my characters and their plot that's interwoven in it. And uh, it's very important to me that 
when you read the historical parts of my book, that's true. Those parts are true. Forrest really did sneak across lines and spotted the reinforcements coming and there really were glowing wounds and, and all those things. So I always make sure that my historical parts are immaculate. Oh, sounds interesting, Mr. Cody. And according to Robert Swibble, great series. Uh, excellent book and series, as he's saying. But Mr. Cody, how did you relate the pearls of Perryville to uh, Rampage on the River? Yeah, it, it, so, um, it, like, I really had a hard time at first coming up with a plot other than the historical thing. So, I, I sometimes when I get stuck, I say, okay, well, what would happen? What would be the consequences of that? And so, in... In Rampage on the River, the two friends come across each other and then they go to save someone together. And in, in so doing, uh, Carl, who's a Yankee, has to uh, he, basically he steals a uniform, a Confederate uniform, and, and they they uh, they do that to break someone out. But but Latham Woods catches wind of this and almost captures Carl. But then he's now very suspicious. And and he's outraged that they lost that battle, the Battle of Island Number Ten. So he wants to hunt down. He, he wants to accuse a um, a fellow officer. But the problem is, is that Lathan is a common man, where Kyle is kind of you know country gentry, and so at a higher status, higher class. And a lot of my villain's um, angst is. And his motivation is that he is kind of feels himself as part of a class war where, you know, the very wealthy control everything. And he's a he's a guy who has to fight for everything he's got. And that's what kind of motivates him. So I thought it was um, so I, I thought it was great because he was already a villain in the first book. But then we really start um, developing him in the second book a lot more. And of course, he's also in the third book and um you know which has a very exciting conclusion in the animosity between him and my main character carl yes indeed so before we go on mr Cuddy, i want to shout out to the people listening in austria danke in austria danke schön well, of course, in the most livable city in the world, number one on the top, according to CN Traveler, Vienna, I got 72%. Thank you, Vienna. Styria uh, at 9%. Vorarlberg at 6%. Upper Austria at 3%. Carinthia at 3%. Salzburg at 3%. And last but not the least, Bergenland at 3%. Duncan, Duncan, Austria for supporting this podcast because this podcast is created to empower writers all over the world, like Mr. Cody Engdahl. Yes, Danke Sean, my friends out there in Austria. And by the way, it just so happens that the book I'm writing now, which is the fifth book in the series, it's called the Prussian Prince, and it takes place in the Austro-Prussian War, um, which is actually was fought in modern-day Czech Republic. But at that time, it was called Bohemia, and it was uh, 
pretty much the northern salient of the Austrian Empire. So uh, if you're Austrian uh, and you're interested in that war, uh, the, the book I'm writing now, it should be coming out uh, maybe early next year. Uh, so hopefully, uh, if, if you like my stuff, you, you'll read on and you'll read that one too. Mr. Cody is like Mr. Alexander Duma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Uh, at least I'm trying, you know, but yeah, that's, yes. that's who I model myself after. Are you the grandson? <laughs> I, I wish. <laughs> I think spiritually I am. Spiritually. Oh, congratulations then. The perils of Perryville, how did you craft it? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's written in two parts. And, um, and you know, like I said, I, I, I've been developing a lot. And I my first book is still a very good book, but I get better each, each time. And so my first book was just one straight story. This book, I cut it into uh, two parts. So part one is called Corinth. And it ends with the siege of Corinth. Um, and then part two is called Perryville. And that one starts with um, the Battle of, uh, of Memphis, because some of my characters, uh, uh, Catherine and um, Liza, had to flee their plantation when it got burned to the ground. And they're trying to get to uh, Catherine's parents, who are in New Orleans. Uh, but before they go to New Orleans, they have to get to Memphis to try to get, a, get on a riverboat to take them down there. And while they're there, the uh, the Federals, remember in the first book, the Federals were able to take Island Number 10 in the Mississippi River, thus opening up the, the South for invasion. So while they're in Memphis, the Federals um, show up and there's a battle, a really interesting battle, actually. They call it the Battle of the Rams because this is the beginning of steam-powered boats. Well, not the beginning of steam-powered boats, but using ironclad and steamboats to fight each other instead of sails and the the, the confederates um fortified a bunch of already existing boats by putting you know iron sheeting on them and they used them as rams their what they were what their strategy or their tactic was to just take a boat and sail it as fast and hard as you can into a federal boat and ram it and hopefully sink it and i, th I think they sank I think they sank at least one, but they call it the Battle of the Rams because it was like bumper cars in the river. Uh, and um, uh, in, in the in the book, Catherine is there witnessing it. So it's, it's a, another great way of just describing very unique and different uh, different battle. But then, yeah, part two um, goes all the way into the Battle of uh, Perryville and and carl's um experience in it and what happens to him uh after and i don't want to give too much away but it kind of completes the circle so that the first two books kind of cr create one big story arc and and kind of resolve a lot of things so that when i wrote the third book it was almost like it's the third book it's the same characters but it was almost like starting all over again so what are your preparation in writing those battles? Yeah, I um, so I, I like we talked about being a gardener or a uh, what's yeah. that architect. Yes. I'm a little bit of both. And what I do is when I first sit down, uh, when I decide to write a book, I, I think about, well, I look at the history and then I think about what my story is going to be. 
and then I kind of plot things out uh, to uh, to fit that. And a lot of, I, I guess it's a loose outline, and then there's still a lot of room for me to maneuver as I'm writing. Uh, so as far as like the battles, um, I do a, several things. Um, one is, uh, you know, I, 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 I find books and articles and things like that in memoirs. Uh, I use a lot of uh, firsthand accounts. Um, the, um, there, there was a major in the Second Michigan Cavalry who uh, wrote a regimental memoir. There is um, Sam Watson, um, Watkins, Sam Watkins, who was in the first Tennessee um, regiment, which was a Confederate, he was at a lot of these battles too. So I, I get, I can get the flavor from them. And then, I, then I read a lot of nonfiction works that are written about those battles. And there was a lot, uh, you know, a lot on the civil war out there, but the best part about it, Daniel, is that I live in Tennessee. I live in, I live in Nashville. And so uh, all these, most of, most of these places, not all, but like, I, I was able to actually go myself and and walk the battlefields. So I've been to Corinth. Um, there's a great uh, Civil War museum there. I I've been to Memphis and and was able to look at the river and see how it, the lay of the land. Uh, we do the Battle of Munfordville, and uh, I drove up there. And actually, it was a twofer because I went to Munfordville uh, first to see what it looked like. And then I went to Perryville, um, which is, a, I think, a national park. And uh, and so I could it's one thing to read the articles or to even look at a map, but actually standing out there where the battle happened. I, I just I feel like it brings so much more insight and it, it gets you a little bit closer to the truth. So I enjoyed it. I, I did a lot of driving. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. So the parents of Terrible, what is the best highlight? You know, my favorite story is, it's a true story, and it's, it's the, uh, Mumfordville. And there was, there was a, a colonel, a young colonel named um, Wilder. And he, um, I think he had about 5,000 men there. And the Confederate Army surrounds him with about 40,000 men. And Braxton Bragg, who is the commander of the Confederate Army, uh, sends him uh, several demands for surrender in which Wilder refuses. Uh, but with with Bragg is Simon Bolivar Buckner. And Simon uh, Buckner was in the uh, rampage on the river as well because he was captured at the uh, Battle of Fort Donelson and spent some time in a federal uh, a federal you know, prison camp until he was exchanged and was, was allowed to, you know, come back and, and rejoin the Confederate army. And so he felt like, you know, it was Wilder kid was kind of young and foolish. And so he wrote an addendum to Braxton Bragg's uh, letter demanding uh, that he surrender saying, look, I've been through this myself. Uh, you know, it's, it, I, I understand why you don't want to surrender. I'm telling you, it's probably the best thing you could do. So what Wilder does is in the middle of the night, he sneaks out of his own fortress. There's a, a fort there at um, Mumfordville. And he has uh, the enemy meets up with enemy pickets and have he has them sneak him into the enemy camp. And so like it's like 10 o'clock at night 
and a, uh, a soldier comes by to Simon Bolivar Buckner's tent and said, there's a man here to see you. And Buckner is shocked to see that the enemy commander has snuck into their, sneaked into their camp and is standing right there in front of them. And the young man, and he's like, what are you doing here? And Wilder says, I think you're an honest man. And I want to ask your advice. Do you think I should surrender? And Buckner was just stunned. And he said, well, that's a decision you have to make yourself. But let me show you some things that might help you make that decision. So he takes him out and kind of goes on a tour of showing him all these men that we have here, all these cannons. He's like, at dawn, we are going to open up. We're going to open fire on your fortress with all these cannons. If you think that your you and your men will survive that, or if you have information I don't have, like there's a there's a relief coming to save you, then don't surrender. But if you don't think you and your men would survive this, and 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 you don't want needless blood loss, um, then you should surrender. And and Wilder says, okay, I'm convinced. I'm going to surrender. And Buckner says, are you absolutely sure? And Wilder says, yes, sir, I, 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 I'm going to surrender. And so Buckner takes him to Braxton Bragg. They talk it out. And then the next morning, the, uh, the Federals are allowed to march out of the, uh, out of the fort, stack their guns um, in, in front of the, the rebels, and they're all given paroles, meaning um, they're not taken prisoner but they're not allowed to fight again until they're exchanged. So um, I, I just thought it was a really interesting story because it's a story of, you know, honor. And, and that's what I, I, I write about a lot, honor amongst enemies. You know, we live in such a nasty time where people are really mean to each other. And I love that, like in the 19th century, there was this gallantry, the, the, this chivalry. And Buckner was asked about this later, later on in his life. And, and he said, they said, why didn't you just arrest him right there and then? And he said, because this young man put his trust in me and, and there is no, I would, I would not betray that trust for anything. So I really like that story. It's, it's, it's neat. Amazing, Mr. Cody. So the perils are very real. If you want to go back and revise the book itself, which part of the book you want to revise? You know, I, I'm sorry. I, I I guess I just wouldn't revise anything. I um, I I think that one day I I might do new covers, uh, but I'm gonna wait. Um, but uh, yeah, I I just like it. it. I like I like the book. I I like how it um, I like the things that happen in it. Uh, could could it be better? Sure, it could be better. But you know, for me, you know, I I'm very proud of that work and um. You know, and I'm not perfect. I'm sure it's not perfect either, but uh, but I, I think it's a good book. And I, I, it's got a little bit of everything in it. Like I said, it's got a, a, a whole romance angle to it. And, um, and you know, there's some really good battles. And, um, and it has a really good resolution at the end. Like it feels it has a really good solid ending. And then the last chapter is called Two Ceremonies, which kinds of, which hints to you that there's, more coming and and it also when i wrote perryville i was i knew i was going to be writing the book i'm writing now it's called the prussian prince so there's things in perryville that is setting up the book that i'm writing now 
Um, and because all my books are intertwined like that. Yes. So the perils of Fairview, we talk about the highlight or best highlight. Let's talk about something missing in the novel. Something missing in the novel. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess, uh, I, I guess some would do a better job of critiquing it um, than I have. <laughs> because because I, I don't think it is missing anything. I, I think it's got a, a good balance. It's got, it, it's a bigger story than the first book. And what I like about it too is like the fair, the first book is mostly from the perspective of the two friends, Carl and Kyle. But in this book, we, um, Catherine, which is Kyle's sister, she takes center stage. And so some of the chapters are written from her perspective. And, and it was really interesting. Uh, she's a, she's a great character and, and I really enjoyed, and I feel like the perils of Perryville is really her book. Um, she, cause she has a very strong role in it. And, um, and there's things that happen with her and that is going to, dictate what happens in the next book of blood for blood at, at nashville yeah so uh, the main character of really my series is uh is carl uh carl smith and he uh he grows up with a single mother uh you know he grows up he's told that his father died in uh, the mexican-american war and he doesn't know much about his dad he know he's he grows up in an you know upper upper class uh, a townhouse in Detroit goes to private school. He's a gentleman, but he doesn't know anything about his family. All he knows is his mom, who is a widow, who, you know, years after she lost her husband, she still wears all black, goes out um, wearing a veil all the time. And, uh, and, and so there's a little bit of a mystery there. That mystery gets solved by the end of this book, The Perils of Perryville. Um, but yeah, Catherine has a big, big role in it. Uh, it. So we jump perspective from Kyle to Carl. Uh, those are my two, you know, Kyle's the rebel, Carl's the Yankee. Uh, Lathan, who is the villain, he also gets a, you know, I write from his perspective too. Um, and um, in fact, he we start the book with him. So I, I liked it because it's a little bit more, expansive than the than the um than the the first book we the other characters get to take a leading role from time to time as we go through the the chapters so um so yeah and and carl the main character you know if, if you've read and by the way i would like to tell people that i write every book uh as if the re person who is reading it hasn't read my previous novels now it's always better if you read them through in order, but you know if someone I've had some people who just buy like because I, I do some direct sales like I do a lot of Civil War shows and do author talks. Sometimes people just buy Perils of Perryville and not the first book or the other ones because they're just interested in that battle. Carl is kind of a reluctant hero. He uh, he's really doesn't have his heart into the war. Uh, he in the very first book he uh, is basically given the option of go to jail or join the army. So he's not really um, uh, there on his own uh, volition. Now, of course, 
every character has an arc. And so some things happen that slowly changes Carl and kind of gives him a, a more purpose and, and reasons that he's a little bit more eager, uh, I, I guess, but yeah, he's great. And, um, and he's in, uh, uh, he's in the next one too. Oh, interesting. Mr. Cody. So all your series, you're saying that they are standalone novel. Yeah. So, it, I mean, I guess what I try to do is balance it out because they all do. I mean, Perils of Perryville is a direct sequel to Rampage on the River. But I give you everything you need to know if you, like, let's just say you found the Perils of Perryville uh, sitting on a bookshelf somewhere and you want to read it. And you're like, oh, dang, this is this is the second book. I, I haven't read the first one. It's okay because I'm going to put all the information you need to know uh, in each one of my books to make sure that if you're a first-time reader of me but you're reading book two, three, or four, there's everything's in it that you need to know. Okay, people, let's support Mr. Cody. So are you the writer that you give highlights to whom the villain or the hero both um both because i i first of all i think uh they're inner they're intertwined in a lot a lot of ways they're like two sides of the same coin and i think you know just having a a villain who's just just plain evil i think it's kind of unsatisfying so i like getting into the head of my villain and i'll tell you latham woods is a great villain. I, I was very proud of what I did with him. And um, I, uh, uh, I kind of miss him because he's not in the book I'm writing now, but he was, he was good. You know, I, in a way, and, and I'll be honest with you. I, I don't tell a lot of people this, but Latham Woods is a proxy for Nathan Bedford Forrest. I couldn't make Nathan Bedford Forrest my villain because he's a real person. And so I can't have Nathan Bedford Forrest doing things that he didn't do. So I created a fictional character named Latham Woods, which is kind of a, a riddle, you know, Woods instead of Forrest, you know, and, and, and but gave him kind of the same history in which he uh, grew up. You know, his father was a working man who, who died while he was a boy. Uh, Latham had to raise his his, his siblings um, he's got a chip on his shoulder because he feels like rich boys get all the, you know, they uh, life is easy for uh, r the rich boys where he had to fight for everything. And, and it makes him angry. It makes him resentful. And it's what kind of motivates him. And Kyle, who's the, the rebel, um, is the son of a wealthy man, the son of a plantation owner. And so this creates this hatred um for kyle and when woods realizes that kyle may have been involved in in um an espionage against the the confederates um then he's out now he's out to destroy him and to, and to reveal to the world that kyle is a traitor very well said mr cody but before we go on i'm inviting you to listen to my other podcast comedy 101 with mr mike lucas comedy 101 is empowering all comedians all over the world we're gonna teach you how to laugh mr cody <laughs> <laughs> that was gonna, great 
we're gonna teach you how to entertain other people because according to Mr. Mike, being a comedian, you will develop it. Ah, uh, that'd be awesome, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually uh, I a lot of humor in my books. Uh, so there's there's a lot of, I mean, my books aren't comedies, but I do use a lot of comedy and jokes in my books that at least things that I think are is funny. Um, and so, and I, and I think a well-rounded novel has a little bit of everything. You know, there's, there's, there's romance, there's comedy, there's action, there's arts. Um, and, and I think that's what makes a, a really well-balanced, likable novel. Yes. So the Paris of Paraville, Mr. Cody, what else you can say about it? I'd say, um, I, I really like it. I, I like I like how it ends. I, I think uh, I think it's a very satisfying book, and um, and I'm very proud of it. And the thing that really makes me happy is when I see it making sales because that means people like my first book, and 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 then seeing sales for uh, the Blood for Blood at Nashville, my third book, means that people read Perryville and they like that too. Oh, and by the way, all these books are on Kindle Unlimited. So if you get a Kindle Unlimited reader, you can read them there. Um, you, you can read the whole series there, and of course, they're um, you know everything's available as an ebook, as paperback, and hardcovers. Yes, people, let's support Mr. Cody because he's the grandson of Alexander Duma. <laughs> <laughs> Are you claiming it? <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll go ahead. I identify. As uh, yes, people. <laughs> If you love the writing of Mr. Alexander, now is the time you can support Mr. Cody Engdahl. By, by the way, Alexander Dumas' real grandson yeah. won a gold medal in fencing at the Olympics for France. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Outstanding achievement. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's uh, so you know it runs in the family, and of course Dumas' father uh, was a a general who fought alongside Napoleon. Oh wow! Very yeah. interesting family. Yeah. Yes. It, it, was, it was a great. That's a that's that could be a podcast episode right there. Is uh, <laughs> you know. Alexander Dumas in the Battle of Nashville. <laughs> yeah. Well, Alexander Dumas is in my book Mexico, My Love. He actually uh, has a speaking part in it, and and it makes sense historically too to, to have him there. So, uh, so I, I really enjoyed uh, writing him and 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 giving him a voice and and, and a personality that is often described by other people that, that knew him during the time. So, you know, I like putting historical people in my books and bringing them back to life. So, Mr. Cody, thank you for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. Yes, and thank you, Player FM, for giving me the number five spot of the best book review podcast. Thank you so oh, much. Wow. Yes, Mr. Cody, thank you so much. An achievement for my podcast. And I, I'm so grateful to all my guests. And 
uh, for my upcoming guests because this month I have really fully booked every week. I have three guests, so I'm so busy, busy like you. I bet. It's a lot of work. Well, everybody, a round of applause for Mr. Yeah, uh, you're a hardworking man, Daniel, and I got a lot of respect for you and what you do. And I got to say, um, I very excited every time you have uh, Baptiste uh, Pinson Wu on. Because yes. uh, I read his first book and it's great. Um, yes. I have his second book. Uh, it's it's in line. Um, I'm going to read it soon. And he's got his third book coming out, I think, in August. So um, so I'm pretty sure. I, I bet he'll probably be back on here again, which is uh, which is great. He's a good guy. Yes, people, let's support all the, all my guests because they are one of a kind and they are phenomenal. Bye, Daniel. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Morticon people. See you soon.